minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos Shushan Purim. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Hey, hey. 
could I do for you? This is going to sound just utterly ridiculous to you, but I'm moving, you see. And in an old coat in a trunk, I found this shoe repair ticket that must be seven or eight years old. It's for some shoes I brought in before I went into the Navy, and then I moved away from Brooklyn, and now I found this old ticket. And I know it sounds ridiculous that you would have the shoes after seven years, but I took a chance. Oh, I get it. You're that fellow from Candid Camera. <laughs> No, 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 sir. Honestly, look, look, here's the ticket. Let me see it. Are you out of your mind? 
We haven't even used the numbers in years. Not. No, please don't. No, no, it was a long trip here from Baltimore. I know it's ridiculous, but please, take a look in the back. All right, all right. I'll look. I'll be right back. This is very embarrassing. But after all, they don't make shoes like they used to. How can I be foolish enough to think that after seven years that they would say Hey, mister from Baltimore, Maryland. Yes? You're not going to believe it. You mean you found my shoes? Was it with half soles, leather heels, and metal tips? Yes, yes, that's right. It'll be ready Tuesday. J.M. in the A.M., Shushan Purim morning at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91, <coughs> excuse me, 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web at jmtheam.org, and of course, on the NSN app. Good morning, it's Shushan Purim morning, my thanks to Mayor Weingarten for being here on Purim itself. Shushan Purim means our uh, friends and family in Jerusalem are celebrating Purim today. And we're celebrating Shushan Purim today on this March the 25th, day 15 in the month of Adar 2. It's also Erev Shabbos. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha Tzav with a candle lighting time at uh, 6.53 on this Erev Shabbos, 6.53. Yeah, it's pretty late compared to uh, a couple of weeks back. So be aware, 6.53 candle lighting time. There are synagogues that begin even earlier, so make sure you know when things start where you are on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Tzav and on this Shushan Purim. Hope your Purim was good, was safe, was nice, was celebratory, was uh, interesting and fun, I hope. And uh, no matter where you are around the world, thanks for tuning in. I want to thank all the people who tuned in yesterday to our incredible Purim mix as prepared by Mark Zamek. It was uh, certainly... Based on the evidence, it was certainly listened to in uh, all four corners of the earth for a long period of time by a lot of people who enjoyed it. Um, it was really just an incredible music mix. And uh, remember, just like our Purim music mix was such a hit yesterday, our Erev Shabbos music mix is going to be an amazing hit today. Those of you who are in your cars, who are in your office, who have a long Friday of work ahead, those of you who are preparing for Shabbos in your homes, uh, make sure the Arab Shabbos music mix, uh, which you can find at NahumSiegel.com and JMNAM.org and on the NSN app, is on in your car, in your office, in your home, all through the day. The best way to prepare for Shabbos all the way up to candle lighting time is with our Arab Shabbos music mix. So keep that in mind. Enjoy it. Spread the word about it. You will be glad you did. 20 minutes before 7 o'clock on this JM and the AM Friday morning. Uncle Maishi had his Purim selection off Jewish holiday favorites. You heard ABD with Anim Zmirot. Lechadodi done by Eitan Katz. Achtov, that's Yoni Shlomo. Diaspora with Ishihudi And Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. What's the weather like? Well, we might have a little bit of rain uh, today. Might be a shower or two possible. Uh, I don't think it started raining yet in this area. Scattered showers today with a high of 72. Then tonight it will be partly cloudy, a low going down to 40. 
Tomorrow's sunny will only make it up to 55 degrees. Today's the day, uh, temperature-wise, 72 is the expected high. Right now we're at 54 degrees with mild winds on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JMNAM, 70 degrees in Yerushalayim, where they are celebrating Purim on this Shushan Purim. And uh, I thank you all for tuning in. Malcolm Holmline expected an hour from now. Weekly update, lots going on in this world, that's for sure. There is a lot happening in this world, and we'll have an opportunity to... uh, Speak with him, please, God, coming up at 7.40 this morning here at JMNAM. Also, uh, we'll check in with the Jew in the City, Allison Josephs, who has a big event coming up. We'll also be drawing the winner and announcing the winner of the NCSY Summer Raffle. David Cutler, of uh, the director of NCSY Summer, is going to be joining us. And in the 8 o'clock hour, after Rayudin uh, addresses us, we will have the opportunity to announce the winner of the uh, NCSY summer. That's what it literally is. You get a free summer. The grand prize winner, a free summer uh, from one of the NCSY summer programs. We'll announce that at 8.40 this morning here at JM in the AM. So plenty going on. I believe Israel is now on daylight saving time. I believe Israel is now on daylight saving time. I believe they jumped an hour ahead last night. So it should be a seven-hour difference between us and our friends in the Holy Land, uh, as of now, between us and the Eastern Time Zone, and our friends in the Holy Land, so keep that in mind. If you're making contact with people in Israel over the next few hours, it there should be a seven-hour difference, all right? should be a seven-hour difference. All right. JM in the AM at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, around the world in the web, jmtheam.org, and on the NSN app, and here's Eitan Freilich.
Okay, Sally, let's go over the plans. You're going to the bench, and you'll tell him, stick him up. Should I take out the guns first? Should I take out the guns first? Dummy! Certainly you take out the guns first. No, not here in the street. When you get to the bank, you take out the guns, and you say, stick him up. Stick him up. Now, I got, I got it. when you got all of them stuck up, you'll take out the shopping bag from Corvettes. You'll give it to the teller and tell him to fill it up, please. You'll take the bag of money. You'll tell everybody that's stuck up that they shouldn't move for five minutes because you've got the place surrounded by me. 
You'll back out of the door. I'll be waiting for you in the car. That's it. And believe me, you got the easy job, and I got the dangerous job. You got the dangerous job? I'm going in there alone with two guns against six guards and all those people, and I'm going to tell them to stick them up and fill it up and back out of the bank while you're sitting in the car, and you got the dangerous job? Certainly I got the dangerous job. I can drive. J.M. in the A.M. <laughs> it's Jushan Purim morning. What do you want? <laughs> More of our great comedy segments during this month of Adar. Yitzi Spinner had Shalom Aleichem. You heard Celebrate, done by Eighth Day. Yes, it's a good time to celebrate, all right, on the Shushan Purim. Shalshelis Jr. with Alanisim, Eitzchayim, done by Eitan Freilich. Friday morning in America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Big thanks to everybody. Record-breaking number of people tuned in yesterday to our Purim mix on the stream. Thank you, Mark Zomik, for preparing it. Thanks, everybody, for the great comments about it. Arab Shabbos music mix coming up today right after Naomi Nachman's show. Right after Table for Two on the stream at jmdm.org and on the NSN app. Plenty happening this morning, including at 7, at 8.40 this morning, we'll announce the winner of the NCSY Summer Grand Prize in their big raffle. My thanks to Mayor Weingarten for sitting in yesterday. News next from Israel at JMDM. הירי אתמול במחבל הפצוע בחברון נחשף סרטון נוסף המתעד את הרגע שבו ירה חייל המוות במחבל. יש עליו כנראה מטען, הוא חי שמישהו יעשה משהו. נשמעים בסרטון קולותיהם של אנשי הצלה והביטחון בשטח. יש עליו כנראה מטען, שימו לב, עד שלא בא חבלן לא נוגעים בו. הוא חי, עד שלא בא חבלן לא נוגעים בו. כתבנו ענבל תמיר מוסר כי את הסרטון החדש הפיץ הארגון חברים לשעת צרה הפועל בקריית ארבע. את הסרטון שפורסם אתמול הפיץ ארגון בצלם. בשעה זו מובא החייל לדיון בהארכת מעצרו בבית הדין הצבאי ביפו. מעדכן כתבנו טל אברהם. החקירה כעת אומנם מתמקדת בחייל היורה, אבל גם קצינים וחיילים נוספים שהיו בזירה צפויים להיחקר. עוד יבדקו במצח האם ההנחיות שניתנו לחיילים ביחידה טעמו את פקודות צה"ל. שאיימן עודה יצטרף לחיזבאללה, אומר יושב ראש ישראל ביתנו אביגדור ליברמן. באשר לאיימן עודה, אני מציע שימצא את מקומו במקומות הטבעים לו, בסוריה או שיצטרף לחיזבאללה, וללא ספק יענה מדמוקרטיה ערבית אמיתית. בשיחה עם כתבתנו טל זרביב תקף ליברמן את ראש הרשימה המשותפת שאמר ישראל הפכה למקום שבו מתבצעות הוצאות להורג פומביות לכל קריאות הקהל. ליברמן הוסיף ההתנפלות על החייל היורה מחברון צבועה עדיף חייל ששגה מאשר חייל שהיסס ונרצח על ידי מחבלים. זו שגרת הכיבוש בחברון, אומרים ברשות הפלסטינית על תמונת הירי במחבל הפצוע. מדווח כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. העולם כולו חזה בפשע הנתעב שביצעו חיילי הכיבוש באמצעות ירי בראשו של פצוע. כך דובר הממשלה הפלסטינית יוסף מחמוד. לטענתו, הריגתו של הפלסטיני עבד אל-פתח השריף היא שגרת היומיום המדממת בחברון. הממשלה הפלסטינית הוסיפה וברכה על החלטת המועצה לזכויות אדם של האו"ם, שקיבלה אתמול ארבע החלטות לטובת הפלסטינים. בראשן הרכבת רשימה של כלל החברות הישראליות הפועלות בשטחים במזרח ירושלים וברמת הגולן. 
האו"ם התייצב נגד ישראל יחד עם ארגון ה-BDS, אומר השגריר באו"ם דני דנון. הוא דיבר הבוקר בגל"צ. מקומם שהאו"ם נהפך להיות זרוע של ה-BDS. תהיה רשימה עם הלוגו של האו"ם, ושם יסמנו כמעט את כל העסקים במדינת ישראל. אין בנק ואין סניף של מקדונלד ואין חנות כמעט שאין לה סניף במקומות שייכללו באזורים האסורים כביכול. דנון אמר את הדברים הבוקר בתגובה לרשימה השחורה שמגבשת מועצת דחויות האדם וכוללת גופים שפועלים עסקית מעבר לקו הירוק. כדורסל, הפועל ירושלים שחררה את דאו פישר, שמואל מוניץ. הפועל ירושלים הודיע שנעתרה לבקשתו של פישר להשתחרר מיד מהקבוצה על רקע סיבות אישיות. הוא ימריא חזרה לארצות הברית בימים הקרובים. לאחרונה נחלש מעמדו של פישר בירושלים, אחרי צירופו של אילי הולמן לקבוצה, ובניצחון על מכבי תל אביב, הסנטר בעל האזרחות הישראלית כלל לא שותף. מזג האוויר חם מהרגיל ועדיין שורר אובך, הלילה קיים סיכוי לגשם קל, מחר שבת תהיה... כל שנה, המסיבה הכי טובה בארץ, באנו עם כל הילדים, שהבאנו אותם כדי לחגוג ו... כיף, כיף, כיף! מסיבה, קרחן עוד חבל על הזמן, כולם בראש טוב, מכובסים. לאיפי! פורים שמח ושבת שלום. אלה החדשות שערך עומר בן רובי בצוות לירון אמיר ועידן סדריס.
new from the Yedidim Choir, Yanki Orlansky and Company. Hador Na'eh from the Yedidim Choir, volume number two. Mordechai Shapiro, brand new with Kimal Achav. That is a big, big song out there already from the Kol Aderech CD. Zevi Kaufman, Lech Kenos, words from the Megillah and Avrami Flam with the Hapochu on this Shushan Purim morning, Friday at JM in the AM. It's Arab Shabbos Parshas Tzav with candle lighting at 6.53. On this era of Shabbos. Want to wish a happy birthday to Ari Gantra. That was earlier in the week. Ari, happy birthday to you from all of us here at JMNAM. Also want to wish a happy birthday to our friends um, Yaakov Radin and Yissi Radin. That was also earlier in the week, and I didn't get a chance to do that on uh, Tanis Esther, so I'll do it now and wish them both a very happy birthday. From all of us here at JMNAM, one of our Facebook friends alerted us to that. Candle lighting at 6.53. Lots of synagogues begin earlier than that. Make sure you know when things start where you are. As the clock gets later and later, we now have a um, seven-hour difference again between the Eastern Time Zone and Israel. Keep that in mind as Israel uh, jumped over to daylight saving time last night after Purim and just as Shushan Purim was beginning. Showers today with a high temperature of 72 or at 54 degrees right now. Jew in the City is Allison Josephs, of course. Allison does a, a great radio show for us. Jew in the City speaks Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time on our stream at jmtheam.org and on the NSN app. And the Jew in the City All-Star Evening is coming up on Thursday, March the 31st, which means six days from now. This coming Thursday night at the Museum of Jewish Heritage, Jew in the City invites you to their 2016 edition of the Orthodox Jewish All-Stars. It happens, as I said, at the Museum of Jewish Heritage. Now in St. Joseph's, the Jew in the City is with us. Live via telephone on this Friday Shushan Purim morning. Allison, happy Purim. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. So here we go. It's the fourth annual Orthodox Jewish All-Star Awards party. Tell us how this all started when you started to recognize what a Jewish All-Star is and recognizing them by honoring them at a different at a specific event. Yeah, so it happened by accident, as many of the great things in life do. Um, it started with a video, actually, where I wanted to simply break down the stereotype that Orthodox women aren't allowed to work and that Orthodox men have job careers other than being rabbis, because that's what a lot of people actually assume when they see women pushing strollers and men, men with hat and beards. And so when I said, we're going to make this video, I said, let's put the top of the top in this video. And I decided that Joe Lieberman ought to be in that video, and I didn't know how that would happen. But it turned out we were both at an awards dinner, and I schmoozed him up. And Baruch Hashem, he decided to be in our video. And after that, Faye Kellerman agreed, and the Maccabees, and Tamir Goodman. And so that was our first Orthodox Jewish All-Stars video four years ago. And it was so popular, and people were so excited about it. We decided to throw a party to celebrate. And my husband said, people love this. Do nominations and do this every year. And from there, it just grew and grew. So the next year, we had a party. And it was more planned out, but not as big. And then last year, we moved to the Museum of Jewish Heritage. This year, we have a top chef actually catering our event. Um, and it's funny, because I guess Jews love to eat. Someone in our shul said that's the most exciting part for him about this <laughs> event. Um, so, but I guess different things with people, different people. Our top chef, Alex Resnick, um, is in uh, Bedford Kitchen in Queens, Dittmus in L.A., and everyone there loves uh, Dittmus. And he's actually made a bit of his own Jewish journey. So he's flying in from L.A. to do our event. And then we have these super exciting all-stars. We have um, a baroness from the House of Lords. She's part of the, uh, the British cabinet. Her name is Baroness Roz Altman. It's the highest woman has ever ascended before in British government. Wow. And as she's, you know, talking about her, uh, her story and her video interview with David Cameron and all the people in Parliament, you know, helping and bending over backwards to accommodate her. We have the executive producer and the producer from Modern Family, King of Queens, 
Alana Wernick. She's coming in. She's from from birth. We have the general counsel of Madison Square Garden, Lawrence Burian. He's also from from birth. Very exciting is a lot of these all-stars actually grew up religious, and people just assume that it's just a collection of Vali Chuva, and it's really not. We've always had at least 50%, if not more, of our all-stars grew up from. Unbelievable. Right, this is happening on uh, on Thursday night. I assume it's open to everybody, right? It's, it's open to everybody. This is what we do. We make the price point reachable for most people, so it's $72 a ticket um, for a party that begins at 645 And for that, you're going to get some food in an open bar um, for about an hour of eating and music. And then we have a program. It's actually being produced by one of last year's All-Stars, Paul Blinkoff, who is a from Disney director, producer, Hollywood director. Um, sorry, Disney uh, director and animator, and uh, he's directed other stuff in Hollywood. So he's flying in from L.A. also. Um, so the program, it's not going to be like your regular boring sit-down dinner that everybody hates and just goes to because they're supposed to. It's a fun mixer for the party part. The program is going to be 45 minutes sharp with very, you know, quick, inspiring videos and speeches and boom, 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 and then dessert. So we're not there to, you know, bore anyone and waste their time, just really uplift them, show them all the different things that from Jews are doing, all the different industries and companies that are bending over backwards to accommodate us. And ultimately the message, it doesn't get old at least to me, and I don't think really to other people, the message is that ultimately we have so much freedom within halacha, but Torah and Mitzvah uplift our lives. They make our lives better. They're not there to ruin it. And I think... We really need that reminder more and more these days. Allison Joseph with us, Jew in the City. Uh, with us, Jew in the City speaks Thursdays at 10 a.m. on our stream at jmnam.org and the Nahum Siegel Network NSN app. Her all-star event is Thursday night, March the 31st, at the Museum of Jewish Heritage on Battery Place, uh, Battery Park Place in New York City, downtown, of course. A um, couple of things. First of all, what's the movie premiere for that night? Oh, so it's the, the All-Stars movie. We put in a new All-Stars movie every single year. Ah, very cool. All-Stars, yeah. Um, the other thing I want to mention is that we do have a VIP pre-party, um, which the tickets there start at 360, and there you're going to get to have some more kind of private time with the All-Stars 45 minutes before the event begins. Um, and what else did I want to mention? Oh, we have great swag also, like just like fun, like, you know, Jew in the City swag and gifts to bring home, and people can get their tickets on JewInTheCity.com right now. Yeah, JewInTheCity.com has all the information there. And where does Project Macomb work into this? Because I saw that Mr. Moshe Wolfson is going to be uh, speaking about Project Macomb at the event. So it's interesting. Project Macomb is um, kind of the other edge. I thought I was starting Jew in the City to show people who had less exposure to Judaism and Torah mitzvot all you can do with in halacha. And then people started coming to us and saying, I was raised with too much of it. I was raised with so much, you know, sort of strictness and stricture that it became negative. And the way that you showed the balance on you in the city, being in the world, but also being committed, really appealed to me. And so when these, you know, people from these ultra, you know, Hasidish and Haredi homes see what our all-stars have accomplished, it blows them away because it shows them that they can maybe still have big dreams. It shows them a better life that maybe they could have for their kids closer to what they were always picturing. It shows them that it doesn't need to be this or that, this or the other, that they could really, you know, use their talents and make a big impact on the world um, and still, you know, be a firm Jew. So it's to also, it's to re-educate them just as it is to re-educate the person that didn't think an Orthodox Jew was allowed to have this or that job. Very cool. All right, so that's going to be part of it. People will learn a little bit about Project Macomb that night. Exactly. All right, uh, JewInTheCity.com. The All-Star event is Thursday. Museum of Jewish Heritage in New York City. The uh, reception starts at 645. The program at 745. Information, JITC. That's J- Jew in the City. JITC Party at gmail.com. JITC Party at gmail.com. Or just log on, JewInTheCity.com, JewInTheCity.com. Good luck, Allison, and I'm sure it'll be a great event, as it always is. 
Thank you so much. Have a great job. More coming up 7.30 in the morning on a Friday. This is JM in the AM.
Slimy Daskal off of the uh, Dance 2 CD. Just released. Came out last week, in fact. Before that, the uh, selection done by Benny Friedman, Rock Biyacha. That's a good message on Shushan Purim. It's a good message any day of the year, but Purim especially. Rock Biyacha. Yumi Lowy had Kol Hatov, uh, the title track off of his latest, to open up those three here. At JM and the AM. Shushan Purim morning on this Friday, March the 25th, day 15 in the month of Adar 2, the year 5776, Tufshinayan Vav. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Tzav, candle lighting at 653 on this Erev Shabbos, 653. Many synagogues begin even earlier than that. Make sure you know when things start where you are as the clock really starts to move now. And Shabbos will begin later and later, 653 official Candlelighting time, 54 degrees, showers, and a high temperature of 72. Good weather for tomorrow with sunny weather and a high temperature of 55. We're at 70 in Yerushalayim. We're at 54 here in Jersey City. My thanks to Mayor Weingarten for doing the Purim edition of JM in the AM. It's become a tradition for us here, and I thank him for that. Uh, I remind you that our friends at JewishWorldReview.com have an amazing array of articles, especially now when there's so many things going on and you don't know what may affect what. Uh, JewishWorldReview.com gives you an opportunity to read hundreds of uh, amazing columnists. You can print out those articles before Shabbos and really get a comprehensive look at what's happening in this world of ours. Check it out, JewishWorldReview.com. They continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible live stream to their readers, and I thank them for that. Also, our friends at OnlySimplas.com. OnlySimplas.com continues to provide really cool news stories on a regular basis, not only the cool news stories involving simchas like uh, weddings and uh, bar mitzvahs and engagements and brisin and graduations and everything else, uh, but they also provide an amazing array of uh, stories uh, of interest to the Jewish world in their news section. Check it out. It's a relatively new uh, endeavor. It's been going very well. They include a lot of material that you hear here or that we present here at JM and the AM. Go to OnlySimchas.com for all the details. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update on this Shushan Purim morning here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Malcolm. Sounds like you've gotten over whatever whatever you were uh, enjoying on Purim Day. Sounds like you're ready for a comprehensive, uh, level-headed discussion this morning. Well, level-headed, I'm not sure, but uh, it, it, uh, we had a wonderful Suda, Purim's message, and people have to remember that if you don't think of the contemporary significance, you, know, you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah of the Kriya Megillah, the reading of the Megillah, to understand what it means for us today. And uh, so, and I had to work last night, so I guess the I, I sober up quickly. I, yeah, I guess so. Uh, I guess the message is obvious when you say reference to modern day, reference to how the Megillah relates to 2016. And I bet we'll get to some things in today's discussion that will jog everyone's memory if they don't remember why the Megillah is uh, important to remember in 2016. Before we get to uh, Purim and this time of year, uh, tell us about Pesach and your plans for the upcoming holiday, Pesach 5776. Well, Mitzvah we will be at the Rosen Hotel in Orlando with uh, Majestic. Really looking forward to it now, <laughs> to, uh, to be in the sunshine and then wonderful company, wonderful speakers, wonderful program. So we are really looking forward to it. Well, you get to relax over Pesach, it sounds like. 
Well, I work a little bit, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not that much. It's, it's, there's a lot of Cholamoid this year. That's right. So great to be in yeah, a place like sound, Orlando. Sounds yeah. like you're... A lot of access. Sounds like you're anxious to get down there already and start relaxing. I'm ready for Pesach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unlike most people out there, you're, you're one of the exceptions. Exactly. Uh, the weekly update, and in this case, it's been a couple of weeks since we've spoken. There's a lot to talk about, that's for sure. Um, let's start with, I mean, we'll, we'll get to Brussels, obviously, and a lot of other things that have happened over this past week. Let's start with Istanbul. Is it, in fact, possible? Is it confirmed? What could you tell us? About whether the um, uh, the suicide bomber in Istanbul was in fact targeting Israelis specifically, it is apparent that he stalked the Israelis from the hotel where they were staying, followed them. Whether he knew that they were there or he encountered them as he was walking, uh, heard the Hebrew, heard them talking. It was a group of fourteen, so it was a little hard to miss them. And, uh, uh, and they were walking on, on the street, and he did explode it so that it would hit them. It hit, it hit also killed also an Iranian uh, visitor. Uh, they went to outside a restaurant which was known to be frequented by Israelis. As you know, a, a tremendous number of Israelis visit Turkey. The number of flights every day between Israel and Turkey is astronomical. Wow. Uh, and Turkish Airlines has become a major way for people to go to Israel because it's a... It's a more reasonable, and they stop over briefly in uh, in uh, Istanbul and go on to Israel. Uh, but Israelis uh, travel to Turkey, and as you know, tourism generally has fallen off so much with the absence of the Russian travelers. About four and a half million stopped coming, which has put the whole industry in in a dizzy array of uh, crises, um, including thirteen hundred hotels that are for sale on the Aegean and Mediterranean coasts alone. So the Israelis uh, stood out, and now the speculation is that he followed him and then blew himself up outside the restaurant. Unbelievable. Um, it, it, does, does this slow down Israeli tourism? I know it's early, too early to say, but some of us are shocked and surprised by the uh, you know the continuous movement between Israel and Turkey, especially in light of certain things over the last couple of years we've discussed a million times on this show. Uh, is, well, I uh, think this will. I think this. Uh, the government put out a warning. It had there have been previous warnings, but I think this one was much stronger about travel to Turkey. And the expectation is that you're going to see more of these bombings coming from two sources, ISIS and from PKK, uh, who both of them have been alleged to have carried out the attacks before. This one appears to be ISIS-related. And the um, stability, the situation in Turkey remains questionable, and the stability questionable. So I think, yes, I do think that uh, tourism will be affected, and many people plan for Passover travel. Israelis, as you know, travel in greater proportion, perhaps, than any other people. About yeah. a quarter of the country is out over the course of the summer, and uh, for Pesach and other holiday periods as well. So it's a big issue. It. it, it so many people travel, and Turkey is so reasonable, both in terms of cost of getting there and staying there, that many had planned trips there. Yeah, that's uh, it's something, and I, it just, it, well, all right. Then we move to Brussels. Thirty-four killed, one hundred eighty-seven wounded in this uh, in the airport attack this week. Uh, ISIS did claim responsibility, right? ISIS is claiming responsibility, and the people who were involved. Uh, it, it's clear that Belgium has become a hub for the Islamic uh, State terrorists, and uh, they had more people 
per capita than any other country of, of people going to Syria. You know, there's this area, Malenbeek, which, which our listeners may have heard of and certainly have read about over the months. This has become a district which is a, a breeding ground for these terrorists. The police hardly go there. These are one of those no-go zones like you have in France. We've talked about it before. But this area, he hid out there, the terrorist who was known to people, and they hid him there for, for several weeks at least. Um, known terrorists have, have, are, are still in the area. That's why the police keep carrying out these raids. And it's estimated that, that um, there are about four to 600 trained fighters from Syria who, who are pl- been trained for European attacks. If you remember, we talked about this, that there was a camp in Raqqa right. in Syria where they trained people not for terrorism, not to fight uh, in Syria, but for terrorism in Europe and the United States, terrorism abroad. And you have uh, the, the evidence of this now being manifest when the guy who carried out, the ringleader for the Paris attack who was caught, he said he came with a group of 90 fighters. And the... The, some of them are Muslim uh, origin, some are Muslim converts, um, but they, they seek out French-speaking people as the leaders for these groups, both those who can integrate more easily and those who could speak the language most naturally so that they can uh, operate more freely. And the goal is, to, is not killing as many people as possible, but getting as many operations as possible to spread as much terror and fear. And there were very precise warnings this time, both about the airport and about even the subway now we learned about. Right. And they don't share the list between countries. They don't share lists about suspects, Germany, France, Belgium, all the others. They, they um, don't talk about when they move across uh, borders. As we know, there were warnings about some of these guys. Turkey said they sent a warning about them. And, the, um, and European Muslims generally do not report what they know uh, some here in America do in cooperation with the police and closer coordination so that they've been able to prevent some, some of the events there. That's not true. And many of those who've been engaged in these attacks have long criminal records as well. So it's, you know, it's a very serious long-term threat. The the numbers are, are of these guys is, is uh, very large of those who are available to carry out the, these attacks. And, uh, you know, Europe has got to begin to to really work together to do better on border control, to 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 take preventative action, prevent infiltration. It's very hard. You have a very porous border, as you know. They can get in at one place in Europe and travel to others without uh, visas. Uh, I think that we have to hit the funding sources. We have to really go after every aspect of the infrastructure of terrorism. It's a quandary, isn't it, that um, we as a Jewish community, with our history, always with the plea for open borders for obvious reasons, now have to take a position that uh, is just the opposite of that? Well, we have to, to look for intelligent uh, approaches to the problems. As Mrs. Merkel this week made clear, Chancellor Merkel, that uh, the policy that she adopted of, of bringing in a million and sort of open borders uh, is evoking a tremendous negative response, and obviously there are consequences also that people have seen already, and every people are demanding uh, a change, and it feeds then those who take a more extreme position in this regard, extreme right parties or others. Um, but the fear is not an irrational fear, and, and the way to deal with it is to set up a system that is able to... to uh, detect those who are legitimate refugees, 
I mean, look how many Christians and, and Yazidis and others who are running true persecution, and they're not getting in because the numbers are limited and they're stuck in sometimes in in, in this uh, limbo. Uh, so there has to be a way to detect who who are legitimate uh, refugees and who are not, who are economic refugees, who are people seeking to exploit uh, the borders. And everybody acknowledges that within the um, immigration are a number of terrorists. And the question is, what level of, of tolerance do you have for it? Well, I think it has to be very low. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, it's a big discussion worldwide, including uh, in our presidential uh, race right now, which we'll get to in a few minutes. Uh, tell us what happened in Yemen this week. Uh, Israel, it seems, has rescued more Jews from Yemen and brought them to Israel. Well, as you know, this is an ongoing issue. 51,000-plus Jews came in 1949, 1950. Um, there are about 50 Jews remaining now. The um, About 200 have come out in recent years. It is not because uh, they couldn't get out. It's because they, they don't want to leave. And the 50 who remain opted not to go. The um, This group of 17 uh, came out um and they came from two places, including from Sana, and they brought with them an 800-year-old Sefer Torah, which has caused the backlash in Yemen because it was highly publicized, and it was a picture of a meeting with the prime minister and others. And uh, the, one of the Jews was arrested in Yemen, and another uh, person at the airport, we understand, the Muslim, was arrested, accused of complicity, of that these issues can be resolved um, and uh, quickly, and that the person will be released. Uh, so... This is sort of the end of uh, coming to the end of this chapter of of the age old community. Well, how many are left today? Then about fifty that are, that are left after this. They week. live in a compound near the American Embassy in Sana, in the capital, which, as you know, is under Houthi control. So, I mean, the obvious question, of course, wouldn't it have been a better idea to just bring everybody out this week? No, they won't leave. Oh, they refuse to leave. They refuse to leave. Wow. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. All right. Uh, earlier in the week was the APAC conference, as you know. Uh, people around the world, I'm sure, and certainly here in the United States, watched with intrigue as the presidential candidates addressed the crowd. Um, I mean, as a general overview, Malcolm... Um, nothing unexpected happened in terms of what was said, and and certainly for anybody who was expecting, I don't know, any type of major backlash in terms of, you know, I don't know, violent behavior or, or terrible physical demonstrations, that didn't happen either. I think the most shocking thing was how leadership from APAC went ahead and apologized for some of Donald Trump's statements. Did you find that surprising? Look, I think... Uh, that first, uh, we have to acknowledge what an amazing event was that 18,000 people came at considerable expense, 4,000 college students at a time when everybody's saying that students are uh, uninterested, and uh, many hundreds of high school students, uh, people, whole congregations came, um, many, many hundreds and hundreds of rabbis were there, but more importantly, there were hundreds of five or 600 blacks, uh, hundreds of Hispanics, People of every background, uh, you could see there were thousands of, of non-Jewish participants. I think that that is an amazing statement. And at a time when people said after the Iran deba- uh, debate and the vote that the 
you know, that APAC was defeated, APAC was uh, broken, and quite the opposite was true. It's clear that uh, it remained strong, the pro-Israel community remained strong, the the advocacy for Israel and for the the agenda, uh, including on the on Iran, is very strong, and we saw it in the reaction of people to the various candidates who came up. Everybody but Bernie Sanders of the active candidates was there, uh, and he opted not to, but he gave a speech, which was pretty disturbing, um, in Utah, wherever he was campaigning. So the. I think overall the, it was a, a remarkable demonstration of support, and it certainly was noted by every speaker that when you're in an arena like that and this tremendous outpouring uh, of support, it was very charged atmosphere. People waited an hour in line to get into the arena sometimes, and everything was done in good spirit. And uh, as you said, the, a crowd like that without any incidents, with the, uh, there were a couple minor protests, uh, during the course of the at the different times, people who sought to disrupt and some demonstrators outside. Correct, and I agree with everything you've said. Uh, did you find it unusual that leadership of APAC has to? Oh, yeah. So what happened when uh, Mr. Trump uh, spoke? He had a prepared text, and that was the news for many people that it's the first time that he actually had a you know read it off a teleprompter had a. Uh, a prepared speech on foreign policy, uh, but at one point he said something uh, about this being the last year of uh, the Obama administration, and then um, said yay. Afterwards, and the audience reacted strongly, and there were many people who were offended by it, uh, especially some of the non-Jewish participants and others. And so the leadership of APAC. Um, decided to make a statement saying that, that this is not that they that the whole point was, uh, was coming together was the theme and that this was disruptive so it was a very unusual an unusual thing to do uh, and doing it in such a, a prominent way and there were people who were critical people who supported it many people felt it was uh, they had to do something and that's how they chose to address it. It's interesting because I mean generally um, you know an, an APAC crowd, I would guess would have to be described as majority against the Iran deal, right? I would guess. Right. Majority against the Iran deal. Majority in this case means over 9,000 people, as you know. Uh, majority against the Iran deal and likely uh, not happy with President Obama's foreign policy, especially in light of that deal. Uh, to whatever degree they're, they're, they're you know, unhappy with it, but, uh, but likely unhappy with it. And at the same time, I think, and tell me, it, I'm, I really want you to tell me if I'm right or wrong on this, especially because there are, you know, there are so many more Jewish Republicans probably at the APAC conference than there have been in the past. I would still think, nonetheless, it's a relatively Democratic Party gathering. And most of the people in that room right. are, so it must be a really difficult um, uh, uh, struggle for a lot of people who are staunch Democrats and at the same time find themselves not able to defend the actions, especially foreign policy-wise, of President Obama. I think the assumptions are right that it's probably a majority Democratic audience and the Democratic candidates. Hillary got a very strong response. Biden got a strong response when he came. He spoke Sunday night. So... It, it, I don't know if it's so much partisanship. I don't know whether this was just, uh, you know, an instinctive reaction or something, or not, not something people thought about. But 
you know, they were charged up anyway, and it doesn't take much in an arena to create a, a big response. And even if it's only a small portion of the people, it does resonate very strongly. Um, so I think you're right. It is surprising given the nature of the what one assumed the audience's predilections would be. If not for the Iran deal, they would have had a lot less patience collectively for Donald Trump than they did, right? Likely. Yeah, and if you heard, there were people who expressed various points of view on it, on the, the candidacy, but, you, you know, it would be probably no different than what you would hear generally. Uh, look, I, I, don't want to put you, I don't want to put you on the spot, and I don't think publicly you should even uh, offer any type of personal opinion. I think most people realize at this point that I'm thoroughly disappointed in both major candidates, or the ones at least that are leading for their respective parties. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, e- even though I'm not pressing you for a personal opinion, it's got to scare you, and maybe that's the wrong word, concern you, I don't want to say frighten, but concern you somewhat, that the that there, there seems to be, even uh, that there seems to be with both leaders of their p- respective parties in this presidential campaign, some confusion about their foreign policy. It, we, we don't seem to be getting a straight answer from either of them about their attitude toward Israel and how they view things going forward, especially in the Middle East. Am I right about that, or am I, uh, or is it just paranoia that's <laughs> leading me to believe it? Well, paranoia would be a normal answer, for, but that's a given condition. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not unusual. Look, I think that that in this case, you saw they had well thought out uh, specific uh, speeches on foreign policy. It's true, foreign policy has not been uh, generally been the subject of the debates, or or people haven't really uh, talked about it that much. But if you, I think you can see that the um, that the speeches that they gave, people should read them. This, read the, all the speeches. There were very important things said. Some that we like, some we don't like, but. Uh, all of the speeches, Kasich uh, gave a, a very strong address, Cruz gave a strong address, and uh, the two, um, uh, Sir, Secretary Clinton and, uh, and Donald Trump and Vice President Biden. All of those speeches are important to read, to see the detail of it. You, it's hard in a speech as people cheer and stuff to, to really follow it carefully, but I do think that they, um, for the first time, maybe talked about Middle East policy in, in detail. Well, it'll be interesting to see... Middle East policy on the table when the two of them debate each other. That's true. Uh, without prepared remarks, or at least without teleprompters, uh, because you know how different both of them are without the teleprompters. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know it's only March, and you keep citing that you know there's still a lot of time left, etc. But uh, and if I could remind people also that we should focus on the Senate and House races as well. Those are very important. That's where local communities can have a greater impact. Uh, you know, presidential race will run its course, and it's very important who becomes president. It's very important what they believe, uh, even what they say now, though we know that what they say in, in, during the campaigns don't, doesn't necessarily translate into policy, or else we'd have 50, 60 American embassies in Jerusalem already. We would have many other things that they, they always promise. But I think people should also remember all the congressional races, to look at who's running, to support people, to get involved. And to and and even more so now is to look at some of the issues. We have very vital issues. We talked about terrorism. We haven't talked about the latest developments regarding Iran and certainly regarding uh, Israel. That people not just get caught up in the you know in the excitement of the moment, which is the presidential race and uh, some of the personalities, but 
to look at the substance of issues that we confront today. Yeah, and by the way, for those who have over the last few days since Brussels, and I'm sure you've heard this because I've heard this, I don't know, a hundred times since Brussels, uh, you know, who, who think that you know terror attacks, God forbid, they should happen around the world, could sway our election one way or the other. Do you realize there are over 160 terror attacks since the beginning of 2015, since the beginning of 2016 on this globe? Over 160. What did I just say? 160, right? 160 terror attacks. Uh, you know, and, and and not to minimize them, and not to you know talk about how it, how how it, it's possible for major incidents to sway things. We, I understand that, but people don't seem to care much. You know, even after Brussels. Well, why don't they look at the statistics for the convictions in the United States over the last year about the number of attacks that were planned and executed over the over the, just over the last year, year and a half, and those statistics speak very loudly for themselves. You don't need anything else to to um, to see w- what the threats are, what the danger, and that these these have all become globalized. You know, we, we're seeing Iran now with the influx of money being able, perhaps, to augment their efforts in South America and around the world. These are are not long-term dangers; these are immediate, and and the the fact that they are able to buy new weapons and perhaps uh, produce new weapons, that they, Iran remains the major danger and threat. And unfortunately, we see efforts now to um, lessen some of the sanctions. They're talking about removing some of the banking sanctions, and their ability to deal in dollars, which is a huge thing, and especially will affect the European banks, which have held back because not sure about what the U.S. would do. And at the same time as the U.S. is introducing some new sanctions against those who help Hezbollah, we are seeing that they're they're talking about uh, reducing or or lightening some of the sanctions that affect uh, the trade. The Iranians have threatened to walk away, uh, and the likelihood is that we talked about this. That once they get the money, the the chance of them uh, keeping up with all with their commitments is minimal. And we see that they violate the agreements all the time. There's still no punishment for the missile launches for the other activities in which they they've engaged and the support for terrorism uh, around the world. So, the, you know, the, this is really the uh, 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 coming to fruition, the fears that we all had, and why I think the majority of the American people still today oppose the deal and are concerned about it. Yeah, no question about it. By the way, did you see the, uh, I don't know, <coughs> excuse me, did you see the 60 Minutes piece on President Macri of uh, Argentina? I did not, but I do follow President Macri very closely, and it's a he, it's a remarkable change. God willing, it will continue. Uh, President Obama met with him uh, this week. He uh, he is, says that he will. He, he already abrogated this memo of understanding that Kushner, the former president, reached with Iran, uh, and has said that they will go with the investigation. The more important part is that the former chief of intelligence has returned. He, he, he had left the country and he came back, and he is spilling the beans and he's telling the truth. And he said that Nisman was murdered. He's put to rest any of the speculation wow. about uh, about what happened to him, and he has a lot more information about um, what uh, what the government of Kushner did, what the deals with Iran were, uh, and I'm sure this will be there will be a lot more disturbing information coming out. Wow, unbelievable! Uh, all right, tell us about uh, what's happening with Russia and Syria, uh, ISIS. Syria, Syria and ISIS are now at war, right? Essentially, they've been at war, right. uh, more or less, the whole time. Supposedly, <laughs> understood. Uh, and and the Russian element in terms of their involvement. Well, the Russians did draw down their 
presence there, but we have to remember they now have a, a they have a naval base, Latakia, in Tardis, and they have a, a now an air force base, one of the developments that took place during the war. And so they have still a strong military presence. They still are flying missions in support of the attacks against ISIS and the attempts by the Syrian army to regain uh, certain territory from them. Uh, ISIS has lost about 15% of the territory they held and um, uh, have lost many fighters, many uh, people. And, you know, a lot of them have gone to Libya, where they've established a new base of operation in Seret on the coast of the Mediterranean, which is something that we will hear about a lot more, as I believe they will conduct terrorism from there and go into piracy, etc., from from the site. So um, in Syria itself, we've seen a shift. There, there are talks that are uh, underway. Uh, Assad now, people are generally saying, will stay so that uh, Russia can claim the victory and say that, look, we stood by our, our friends. They are trying to gain entry into all the Sunni countries and to create a greater presence there. And unfortunately, the West is giving them more and more opportunities to exploit uh, all over the region. The um, uh, So there's supposedly a ceasefire that's, that is partially in effect. But uh, the fighting continues against uh, ISIS and against others, and fighting within the groups continues. Right. This strengthens Assad or not? Oh, yes, absolutely. Assad now looks like he'll be a survivor. How much he will have, he'll have a, a shrunken Alawite, Al, uh, Alawite state. Some call it a Walistan, but th- this is one of the goals, I think, that the Russians had. He, he, he will, a significant part of, Iraq, of Syria then will be Either in Cantons will be a Kurdish area, there will be a, uh, areas uh, for Shiites, the others who, who will be dominant, whether there's a formal uh, setting up of boroughs of Cantons of some system, uh, but it doesn't look like Syria will come together again as Syria. Well, and you mentioned Iran and the update uh, regarding what's happening there. What can you tell us? Well, the situation in Iran, we still see that the executions are running at a at the highest level. That certainly the violations of human rights. We see that they're sending commandos and snipers to uh, um, Iraq and to Syria by their own admission. Um, the um, the, the uh, during the surge, they reached uh, I don't know twenty five thousand perhaps uh, at uh, twenty five hundred. Uh, uh, troops, some of them, they had a number killed, and they are withdrawing some of their troops as well. But they're sending Iraq advisors, as they call them. And this, they've created their first rapid reaction commando sniper unit. They had a ceremony and uh, marking the end of this two months of special training, which means that Iran's role is going to continue, that they're going to um, exercise the control. They're going to keep Assad in power. They're going to keep backing Hezbollah. Hezbollah is getting new weapons. Hamas has... Uh, has tried to reestablish its ties with Iran without great success, and now they're reaching out to Egypt. In fact, this week they removed the pictures of Morsi and the Muslim Brotherhood signs from the streets in Gaza Hmm. because the Egyptians obviously uh, uh, confronted them about it when they came there, and they did not give in to to the demands. Some of the demands were opening the borders, and as you know, Egypt has been continuing to flood the tunnels and to take action against the the smuggling the Hamas is, is not weaker. The latest poll shows that they would win by 11 points in a showdown on Abbas, who has lost more and more support. But 
Hamas is is uh, now trying to to win back support from Iran, which was reduced. Hezbollah complains that the money from Iran is down because of the economic conditions, but we still see that they are shipping them weapons and building up their capacity. So Iran's global terrorism network expands, continues in Africa and South America and elsewhere. It, it remains the most important of the challenges, I think, that we see. And you've got to look at the words of what um, the heads of, of the Quds forces are, are saying and how they're talking about now taking over Bahrain. If you remember when the Iraqis did it about um, Kuwait, they're saying the same thing. This is a province of ours. This is our territory. Um, when Khamenei gave his uh, uh, Nauruz, which is the Iranian New Year speech, it was viciously anti-American. And um, uh, the, now the head of the Navy says they're building a statue showing the American sailors in this humiliating posture. I mean, they're doing everything contrary to any commitment in the in the agreement, and we're seeing that these these violations, and yet no real consequence aside from now the uh, idea that there'll be more uh, sanctions against individuals who help the missile program or help uh, Hezbollah. What will it take to get more uh, you know serious sanctions or a more serious attitude toward well, you? How about the fact that we just charged a consultant to the uh, Iranian UN mission and a whole team of people were having perpetrated this huge attack against America. It was a cyber attack uh, against our banks, against uh, the dam here in New York, and that could have had very grave consequences. They they were able to penetrate, unfortunately, very sensitive uh, areas, and uh, and it shows that they are at war with us and they're fighting us on every um, on every possible front. Uh, and and they continue to make the statements. They continue to declare their, their uh, intentions, and still we don't see the kind of tough reaction by the international community that is really essential. Price of oil going up is going to put them in a better position, or it's irrelevant at this point? No, it, it is very relevant because they're starting to export the oil now. They're ramping up their uh, exports. They're, they've tried to reach a deal with Saudi Arabia. It's not going to happen. I don't believe Saudi Arabia is going to cut production. Uh, so that the likelihood is that the price of oil is not going to rise very sharply, and if anything, maybe decline again. Um, and for them, this is a major source of income, and the, the fact that when they went out of business, oil was 100 or $109, and now it's $40 and less is, is a huge difference for them, so they don't have the windfall, but of course they are exporting, and the money they get does not go to the people. It goes... To the IRGC, which controls 30% of the economy, they're on Revolutionary Guard, and to uh, Khamenei, who controls a significant part of uh, of the economy. The people are complaining because they don't see any benefit yet from the money that is being released. The UN Human Rights Council approved a resolution to compile an updated list of all companies, Israeli and foreign, operating in any of the disputed territories, quote-unquote. How long has this been going on? This is an annual tradition? <laughs> yes, it's a, they, they pass... Uh, five or six annual resolutions. Israel is the only country that is a, a separate item, and um, they have a special rapporteur who was re a new one was appointed this week. If you remember, they have a, a history of having these hostile people serving as the special rapporteur, which means special reporter, whose job is to go into the territories and report on what's happening there. And they just chose a guy who's a professor. His name is Lynx from Canada as the special rapporteur. And he is, as a long history 
of extremely public, hostile comments about Israel. He even said 9-11 was because of global inequities and the Western nations' disregard for rule of law. And uh, and he was uh, the second candidate. The other one was even worse. But he has a long history and a record, and yet they appoint him to be the neutral observer, to be the person who uh, is supposed to um, be able to give objective reports. I mean, there's no way this guy's even capable of doing that from all of the reports uh, about him. And then you have the body trying to uh, preparing a blacklist of settlement-related companies, those doing business there. Uh, the United States is fight, fighting this, and hopefully um, they will um, they, they will be able to stop it. It's certainly a discriminatory measure. Many other countries, as you know, have come out against BDS and these kind of boycotts. By the way, the governor of Colorado yesterday signed the law, and so did the government of Virginia adopted a law by vote of 86 to 5 in their General Assembly. The Senate passed it by voice vote. So now there are eight states, I think, that have had passed uh, anti-BDS and rejecting it as discriminatory, as bigotry, as anti-democratic, etc., and uh, by the way, the Human Rights Council, according to the testimony that was given there yesterday, no Israeli has victim of terror has been on the list, which they keep on their website of all the victims of terror since September. Yeah. All of those who who were knifed and killed, none of them are on there. And the child, of, the son of one of the victims, went and testified and said, "Where's my father? Why is he not on the list?" And uh, they, you know, have it, it's a clear reflection of of the one-sided nature, the words, it was a demonstration outside by uh, Jewish communities and others against uh, the Human Rights Council, but this is the body that's charged with enforcing human rights. It's obsessed with Israel. They have a repertoire on, on Iran, but nothing serious comes out at a time when they're executing more people, violating more human rights, persecuting um, anybody who's critical of the government. Uh, we see in Turkey the arrests, we see in other countries, and yet none of these rise to the committee, to the council's uh, attention or serious attention, and they're obsessed with Israel. Yeah. Meanwhile, after the Brussels attack in the airport and the subway station, uh, which group was inundated with dozens of requests for assistance in securing airports around the globe? And the answer, of course, the Israel Airports Authority. <laughs> Israeli airports and Israeli security firms and yeah. getting advice, and they've been giving it to, to many people uh, till now. It's quietly done. It's not something that necessarily is publicized. Yeah. But uh, they have been doing it. All right, Malcolm, enjoy your Shushan Purim. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak again next week. God willing. Weekly update, Friday, 740 Eastern Time here at JM and the AM, jmtheam.org, and, of course, on the NSN app. The entire weekly update will be available to you in the app within minutes and, of course, on our site at nachomsegel.com as well. And you'll be able to uh, hear everything in its entirety on this Shushan Purim morning. Erev Shabbos Parshas Tzav with candlelighting at 6.53. 6.53, candlelighting time on this Erev Shabbos. 8.24 in the morning. Want to remi- excuse me, want to remind you that um, David Cutler is going to be joining us. He heads the NCSY Summer Programs, and NCSY Summer is given away uh, by way of their raffle, a free summer in Israel. We'll have the winner for you about 15 minutes from now. We'll have the name of that winner as we uh, anticipate David Cutler drawing that, and we'll do the whole thing live right here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday morning, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning 
the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. And a Freilicha Shushan Purim. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Tzav. Parshas Tzav with its 96 psukim, according to the Chinuch, contains 18 mitzvos. They line up very respectfully, nine positive, nine restrictions. And I hope we'll have an opportunity to come back to talk a little bit about Parshas Tzav. I'd like, with Purim still in the air, and today being Shushan Purim, so Jews in Yerushalayim, and many, many more in Yericho, and maybe in Tveria, parts of Tveria, yes, parts of Tveria, not, do keep today as their Purim, and so I'd like to share with you a Purim Machshava, which speaks to me, and I'm hoping that it does to you as well, and you can bring it to Emir Tzashem, your Shabbos table this evening. If I were to ask, now that we are pros, we've heard the Megillah twice, Wednesday night and Thursday yesterday, where would you say does the miracle of the Purim story begin? Now there's no question, there are many miracles, as we said in the second bracha, before we read the Megillah, that Hashem performed miracles for our ancestors, the same bracha that we said in conjunction with the lighting of the Ner Hanukkah. The Ner Hanukkah, the miracle, is quite obvious. Not only did a small band of Jews defeat the Syrian army, but the oil that was to burn for one day burned for eight days. Wow! That's a miracle. I understand the bracha. What's the bracha she'osonisim have to do with Purim? Where are the miracles? And where do the miracles begin? Now it's interesting. In the Talmud Megillah, there are different opinions as to how much of the Megillah one has to hear in order to satisfy their obligation. We follow the opinion of Kulo. However, there is an opinion in the Talmud that it's enough to start with chapter 2. After all, Ishihudi. Others say no, even chapter 3. But we paskin and we follow as we all have heard the entire Megillah. I'd like to share a very exciting machshava of the Chassam Sofer, Zechat Sadik Levracha, who says, you better start from the beginning. Why? Because in his mind, the miracle of Purim begins in chapter 1, Pasuk 12. And what does that Pasuk tell us? Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command. That was conveyed by the messengers. And the king became very angered. And and his anger burned in him. And this suggests the Samsofer is the first 
and basically the basis for all the miracles that follow. What's going on here? So he says, take note. As you remember, there were two parties. One lavish for everybody, 180 days. And then there's an additional party for those of Shushan for seven days. Now, for 186 out of the 187 days, the king behaved. I don't know if I would call him a gentleman, but he did not get drunk. It was not until the last day, the very last day, that what happens? Bayom Hashvi'i, on the seventh day, Kitov Lev Hamelech Bayayin. This is Pasuk 10 in chapter 1. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, and the rest, as we know, is history. The king drank too much, and he asked for Vashti to come. But let me tell you something. Vashti as well drank too much. And it wasn't simply her refusal that angered him so much, but the manner in which she refused. She sent a message to him, and she said, You, you're a king? My father's stable hands were able to hold their wine. And you cannot. That shtoch is what angered him all the more. This is what, as we know, led to the death of Vashti. This is what ultimately leads to bringing a Jewish girl into the palace and the rest, as we know, is history. God literally moving all the pawns, all the players, all the situations, so that it will lead to a Yeshua, a salvation for Klal Yisrael. When did this happen? Bayom HaShvi'i, on the seventh day, Kitov Melech Bayayin, when the king was, quote, merry with wine. Now, Rashi tells you, Bayom HaShvi'i, on the seventh day, it was a Shabbos. Ah, and now let's go. I'm going to share with you the insight of both the Sefer Yitav Ponim, as well as the Maloha Omer. Both of them say the following. We know that the term Hamelech in the Megillah can refer to the king with a small K, Achashverosh, the king with a capital K, the Melech, Malchei Hamlochim, such as chapter 7, verse 1, Balayla Hahu, that night, Nodedah, Shnas Hamelech, the king couldn't sleep. Who couldn't sleep? Achashverosh in his bed. But Melech, Malchei Hamlochim couldn't sleep. God couldn't sleep, because his people were in danger. So here, allow me to take you on a little bit of a high of Purim. Bayom Ashvi on Shabbos Ketov Leiv HaMelech, when the King of Kings, when God is merry, He's happy, Bayayin with wine, with the wine of the Jewish people. When the Jewish people make Kiddush, and this brings happiness to God, this was the act, this was the necessary foundation 
that the Jewish people participated in in order for Kodesh Baruch Hu to bring about the refuah before the Makkah, in order for God to plant the way for the salvation of Purim. So we see very clearly how important Kitov Lev HaMelech, how much God appreciates Bayayin, our making Kiddush. Now, I'd like to share with you the famous Gemara in Shabbos, Kuf Yud Tes Amidbez, whereby the Gemara teaches both in the name of Rabbi Shua ben Levi, and then Rav Himnuna, whoever prays on the eve of the Shabbos, and says, which we include a in our Shemona Esrei, and we say it right afterwards in the Beis HaKnesses together, and we use it as the introduction to the Kiddush every Friday night, whoever says, Ma'ale Allah Vakasov Kilunase Shutaf La Kurish Borhu Bemasa Barashis. It is looked upon by Kurish Borhu, it is looked upon by scripture as if that individual became a partner to Hashem in the act of creation. Wow. How important is our Kiddush? And the answer is very and the idea behind this, I'd like to suggest, is as follows. The Vayichulu tells us that God ceased and stopped His work. Asheborot Elokim, which God had created, La'asos, literally to do. What is that last word, La'asos, to do, coming to teach us? And... I can tell you that Rav Chaim Levracha, teaches that the word La'asos should really have a colon before it. Kivoshavas Mikomalachto, Hashem literally ceased from all his work, Elokim, which he had created. And what is the word La'asos? La'asos is to do. And that last word to do is a charge to man. That man is to do. The idea is, if we can say this and we watch our words very carefully, God did not create a completely perfect world. What does that mean? It means He invites man to complete the process. We find this so beautifully in the Medrash Tanchuma, in Pashas Tazriah, in Simon Hay, where the Medrash brings the Maiseh, Sheshol, Tunisrufus, Horosha, Serbi Akiva, Tunisrufus, the Roman wicked philosopher who comes and questions Rabbi Akiva and says, what's better, the act of God or the act of man? So Rabbi Akiva says, the act of man. How could you say that? Well, Rabbi Akiva brought him very simply wheat and he brought him finished cakes, which is nicer, which is better. It's man who improves. So Tunafritva says, why do you circumcise? Rabbi Akiva says, I knew that was your question. And the answer the answer is La'asos. God makes a beautiful human being. And He says to us, La'asos, that we are to complete the process with Mila. And as the Chinuch writes, 
in mitzvah two in the Torah, the mitzvah of brismila, that just as man is to complete the physical process by removing the arla, so too is man to complete his personality, to complete his character, that he is to be a better person, and he has the capacity to do it. La Asos, amazing. And what do we say every day in the Elenu prayer? The Sakin Olam, man is given a tafkir, is given a purpose. The Sakin Olam, the Malchus Sha. Now, why is that name used? So perhaps the word, the name of God, Shakai, as found in the Gemara Chagiga Yudbeis, is Sheomalo Lamo Dai. God said, Gnug, enough. It's up to you to finish it. And there's a partnership. Now, this partnership is one which goes on every single day. But Shabbos, when we cease our creativity, the Kiddush reminds us that we join together with Hashem and that Hashem wants us to be just that partner and that we take and imbibe from the sanctity of Shabbos and we partner with Him in giving it out during the rest of the week. What a beautiful idea that Bayom Hashvi'i on Shabbos Kitov Lev HaMelech, when Hashem has nachas from us, Bayayin, with the wine of our Kiddush. In our Parsha as well, Parshas Tzav, we are partnering with Hashem. In the beginning of the Parsha, we're told to have the Eish on the Mizbeach. I, the Eish comes down from Shemayim. Hashem wants us to partner with Him. You have that very powerful concept in Parshas Tzav. The Kohanim Ochlim. The Kohanim ate from the Korbonos. Ubalim Miskaprim. And the ones who are bringing the Korbonos, the Yisraelim, they receive their Kapara, their atonement, via the eating of the Kohanim. Once again, this beautiful partnership that man has together with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, on this day of Shushan Purim, not only Purim for, specifically, Yerushalayim, but the idea is that we still have the spirit of Purim with us. May we be privileged to appreciate the Kiddush as much as HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so excited as our Kiddush. As part of the process of the Satin Olam B'Malchus Shakai. Shabbat Shalom and Efreilacha Shusham Purim to all. JM in the AM Friday morning broadcast here at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and of course around the world on the web, jmtheam.org and on the NSN app. And as we've been announcing and as we've been anticipating, today is the day on Shushan Purim 5776 that we find out who the winner is of the... Uh, the big raffle that has been uh, offered out there by our friends at NCSY Summer Programs. Uh, NCSY Summer, over a thousand youngsters in our community between Israel and the United States and Europe and different places. They spend an unbelievable summer on different programs. Those of you who are familiar with it know exactly what I'm talking about. 
David Cutler is with us live via telephone. He leads the NCSY summer programs. It is uh, all under his jurisdiction as they continue to be uh, so attractive to an incredible number of young people in our community. David Cutler, happy Shushan Purim, and welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Happy Shushan Purim to you. How are you? Everything is great. Uh, it's now March. You're uh, just a few months away from yet the start of another incredible summer with NCSY. Uh, it, the, the figure is now over 1,200, right? 1,200 young people who are going to be part of the NCSY summer for 2016. God willing, that's correct. Pretty amazing. And the programs... And every time we do this, more and more people who, you know, don't know the details learn them. The programs are such an array of programs. I mean, if if a student out there, if a young person, a teenager, wants to spend most of their day in the base medrash, most of their day touring, most of the day learning leadership skills, most of the day learning about history, you have something for everybody. We do. I mean, it really depends. Wherever you want to travel in the world, whatever you want to do, you know, as long as you want to grow and, and you want to have an incredibly life-altering summer, then uh, then we're your address. Pretty amazing. All right, now what did you do? You offered a limited number of tickets for people to enjoy all the different prizes. The uh, uh, There's a gift card. There's a, two, a trip for two to Israel with the El Al. And, of course, first place, the free NCSY summer program, right? Correct. So we, Baruch Hashem, we, 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 hit, we hit a nice number of tickets. But the, the beauty is that we really, our goal was the people who wanted to send their kids on a program to, to be able to give them a chance to send them for free, <laughs> send on a program for free. And then anybody else, you know, there's, again, two free tickets to Israel, who doesn't want that, and a $500 gift card, you know, for whatever you'd want to use it for. All right, so those are the prizes, and the people from around the country, and I guess around the world, uh, put in for the uh, NCSY Summer Raffle. And now this morning we get to announce the winners right here at JM in the AM. Before we announce the winners, is there anything else you want to tell people? Maybe, uh, I don't know, an information line if somebody wants to follow up and get more information about NCSY Summer? Absolutely. They should email summer at ncsy.org, summer at ncsy.org. And uh, like, you, like you always say, we, we expect about 1,200 kids this summer. There are spaces on most of our programs, but limited. We are, thank God, we're, uh, I'd say right after Pesach, we'll fairly be uh, close to at capacity, thank God. So anybody who wants to still get information, Summer at NCSY.org. And you know the secret, of course. You put together a good staff, and you're going to attract great kids, right? Simple as that. Correct, correct. And that and the power of uh, Eretz Yisrael, that really is, uh, that's our secret. Our staff and, and, and Eretz Yisrael, and the learning and the growth that takes place, whether it's in Eretz Yisrael or Europe or uh, or Baltimore, is, uh, you know, second to none. All right, all right uh, here we go. Um, we All the uh, different um, uh, prizes, all the different uh, tickets have already been drawn, so we know here who the first place Second place and third place winners are. With that being the case, we can go ahead and announce uh, the um, the winners in reverse order, starting with the third prize. Uh, are we ready for me to do that, David Cutler? Yes, sir. Please knock them. Fire away. All right. Third place winner for the $500 gift card. This is courtesy of uh, NCSY Summer, part of their big raffle, uh, goes to a Tali Lebenbaum of Detroit, Michigan. So Tali's a big winner, David. Yes, sir. Congratulations, wonderful, wonderful Tali. Young lady. Do we have anybody from Detroit going on NCSY summer programs? A lot of kids, thank God, from Detroit. Really? All, all the different programs. There's no, there's no city around the United States not represented, right? I really don't think so. <laughs> not only not city, but we have uh, we're, we're international. We have kids from Israel. We have kids from uh, from Europe. We have uh, we actually have some kids, I think, from Australia this year coming on one of our programs. Pretty cool. All right, so Tali Lebenbaum, congratulations. Second place winner. This is the trip for two on El Al, a round trip to Israel, right? Yes, sir. And the winner is uh, from Forest Hills, New York, Adam Rudick 
R-U-D-I-C-H. Adam, congratulations to you, and he'll be enjoying a nice flight to Israel, won't he? God willing, yes, he will. He'll be doing what so many of the NCS wires will be doing this summer. I Israel. hope so. Wonderful. Hopefully he'll <laughs> use it to come uh, spend the summer with us and see uh, Yom NCSY on July 21st. There you go. So, Adam, congratulations to you. You are the winner. And uh, that's of the uh, a round trip ticket for two to the Holy Land, courtesy of NCSY and El Ala. Now, the first place winner, the first place winner, the person who will be in control of a free NCSY summer for the summer of 2016. This is a big one, David Cutler. Yes, it is. The winner is Kevin Lefko of Virginia Beach, Virginia. Congratulations, Kevin. Congratulations, Kevin. Wow. Unbelievable. An, an amazing prize. And he, I know that he actually has a daughter on uh, signed up for one of our programs. Are you serious? Yeah, that's going to be awesome. So this is a natural. Exactly yeah, what you wanted to accomplish, you accomplished. Exactly. Fantastic. Thank God. I hope he's listening. Uh, Kevin, I hope you're listening. If not, then uh, when he hears the news, he'll certainly be celebrating. Kevin Lefko, Virginia Beach, is the first place grand prize winner of the NCSY raffle. This is it, the one we've been talking about for Shushan Purim, where the first prize winner walks away with a free NCSY summer, courtesy of our friends at NCSY Summer, David Cutler and his amazing staff. So to review, third place winner is Tali Levenbaum of Detroit. Adam Rudy Kafaris Tills is second place winner with the trip for two to Israel. And Kevin Lefko of Virginia Beach, you are in control of a free NCSY summer program for the summer of 2016. David Cutler, I think we did pretty well on this. We did. Nahum, I want to thank you very much. And a special shout out to uh, the NCSY summer staff for putting this together. Uh, Amy Mouskoff and Samantha Feldman for uh, really the, the uh, yeoman's work behind the scenes to uh, to put this together and to, uh, to it was our first year doing it and it was a tremendous success and God willing uh, we'll, we'll repeat that in the future. Phenomenal. David Cutler, good luck. We always say to you that you're running one of the most incredible youth programs probably in Jewish history frankly. So I know you cherish it and I know that you take it very seriously. I wish you as we get closer to the summer of 2016 great success you and your staff. Thanks so much for joining Amen. us. Amen. Thank you. Have a wonderful Sabbath. There he is, David Cutler, NCSY Summer. Kevin, Adam and Tolly are the winners. Kevin Lefko of Virginia Beach, the big winner of the grand prize of the free NCSY Summer. We say congratulations. More coming up. It's JM and the AM Friday morning hour of Shabbos Parshas Tzav. With candle lighting at 6.53 on this era of Shabbos. More coming up at JM in the AM.
Shushana bira, Yehudi hayab. Shushana bira, Ushma malachai ben Yair ben Shimi ben Kesh Shimi. Ushma malachai ben Yair ben Shimi ben Kesh Shimi. Yehudi hayab. Shushana bira.
Shushana be Shushana be On this Shushan Purim, Ishihudi. Hey, don't forget, great weekend programming, including tomorrow night, Saturday night, Seagull of Rummy starts at 9 p.m. And uh, Matis with JM Sunday, 7 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream. 7 a.m. Eastern Time, jmtheam.org on the NSN app this coming Sunday. And every Sunday with JM Sunday and Matis Wine Guest, make sure to be tuned in. Time to take a Shabbos, candlelighting 653. It's Journeys at JM the AM. Spend the day together 
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Naomi Nachman is next, a, an encore presentation of her show from Machne Yehuda, which is pretty amazing. That was a really a real ratings grabber, as they say. It's coming up next, jmnam.org and on the NSN app. Uh, then afterwards, of course, our Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix, which is always amazing. Our Purim mix did incredible yesterday, and the Arab Shabbos music mix is uh, going to do incredible today. A lot of great stuff. Make sure you are tuned in. Uh, Matis on Sunday with JM Sunday. Avrami tomorrow night with Saturday Night Seagull starting at 9 o'clock. And, of course, Monday morning we're back here starting at uh, 6 a.m. Make sure to be tuned in. Have a fabulous Shushan Purim, a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend. Till Monday morning, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.